Well, thank you guys. It's honestly really humbling uh, to pastor and to be a part of this. And, you know, obviously we don't, we don't do any of this to be recognized, but I, I just affirm that, that we, we, uh, we feel so blessed to be here. You know, um, I, uh, I, I tell Katie, like, we are just so, we're so blessed by this church, a church whose heart is for the Lord and for others, and uh, that we're all learning together. Isn't that great? That, like, we're learning, we're, even as your leaders, we're learning, and you're here, and you're learning. What does it mean to be part of a family? And just the blessing that you guys are to us. And, um, man, I, I'm just, you know, just processing all those things, so. That's good. That video hit me really hard. Thanks. My mom and dad are here. I love that my mom and dad are part of my church. I don't know. Dads, yeah, tell your kids that you're proud of them, even when they're almost 40, right? It hits hard. You're like, and I know that, but man, that really rings. I was like, I better go tell my son again, just to be sure. Wow. All right. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Sorry. I was just, just feeling all the emotions right now up here. Now I'm going to preach a word from the Lord, but welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that you're here. I love this church. I love pastoring here. I love you guys. I love the future. How many of you are excited for what God is doing at Banner Church? Right? You're excited for the future. Uh, how many of you are excited for our new building? Right? Yeah. Man, we've just been working through all of the details on that. Every step, it moves closer and closer and closer. We're just trudging along. And I want to encourage you. Many people keep asking me, when can I get in there and do some demo? And I want to tell you, I will let you know. So probably mid to end December, beginning of January, we'll set you loose with a sledgehammer. You can get in there in designated areas and do some work. My brother Brian, dude, you're shredded. We'll get you a sledgehammer in there. We'll go to town. Who else? Gabriel. You ready? Bro, yeah, where are my dudes? I'm just over here picking out dudes. Nina, uh, Patrick, yeah, bro, I know you're ready. Bro, you look like you were born with a sledgehammer. You're ready to go. That beard, yeah, dude, you're ready to rock. <laughs> uh, but I, we are excited. Uh, this month is Kingdom Builders Month, and uh, we're going to talk a lot about Kingdom Builders, what Kingdom Builders uh, does, and what it's all about. But, but more than that, just the mindset behind Kingdom Builders, and uh, we're going to be leading up to the 19th. So there's some big stuff that's going to happen in November. November is a weird month because in your mind, it's supposed to be chill because it's not Christmas, but it's a trick from the enemy. <laughs> because in November is Veterans Day and Thanksgiving. So there's two major holidays, and we live in uh, 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 the valley, which means people leave the weekend before and come back the weekend after. So some of you, I'll see you in December. Uh, but I love you. <laughs> uh, but November is a wild month for us too because it's where we really dive into kingdom builders as a church. And so another thing will happen in November, which it is going to be our sixth birthday as a church. Six years old. Man, only 12 years away from voting. We're so close. <laughs> Uh, but we are very excited about that. But then the the uh, 19th, 19th, where's, where's my bookkeeper? Tell me if I'm saying, is it 19th? 19th, thank you. I keep saying 17th. The 19th is going to be our Kingdom Builder Sunday. So we're really, really excited about that. But we... Uh, we talk about Kingdom Builders this time every year because it is amazing what God has done through this church. Uh, Kingdom Builders is our campaign of above and beyond generosity to see the kingdom of God advance. And here at Banner, we've always taught the biblical principle of tithing. People always want to argue with me about, oh, tithing and giving. Usually it's because they don't want to give or tithe. But, I, but we will always and have always taught because, again, it's my job to equip the saints, right? It's my job to equip you with the word of God. And so I would hope that you would hope that I wouldn't rob you of any equipping just to save myself some hard conversations, right? Right? I would hope that you would come to church and say, man, I hope Pastor Josh doesn't rob us of a fully blessed life because he's afraid of somebody getting mad at him. So I'm gonna let you know, I'm not afraid of you getting mad at me because I love you and I want you to walk in the freedom of God in every way. So we've always taught the biblical principle of tithing here at Banner Church, meaning that God provides everything. He says, listen, you keep 90%, but 10%, the first fruits of it belongs to the Lord. And so as a church, we don't even say like, please give. We just say, hey, we're blessed to return to God what's his. 
as believers, we're blessed to worship. We're blessed to serve. We're blessed to give back to the Lord, to return to him what is his, what has been set apart from him, and to receive the promise that was before Abraham and is even after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the promise that when we return to God what is his, that he will bless what, is, what he has given to us even more so. And so tithes, if you're unfamiliar, like I'm new to church, what is that? Tithes are uh, the money that comes in that is that 10% and that's to grow the house of God. So has anyone noticed that the lights are on? Has anyone noticed that you're sitting in a building? You know how we did that? People gave, yeah. Someone's footing the bill, the bill for this meal, right? And so we as a church, the things that we do as a church come from that. So tithes would be like benevolent. So someone in the church needs help financially when we want to help them. Uh, tithing would be like the gathering, pastoral staff. How many of you are thankful for Pastor Delaney in kids ministry? Yes. Pastor Delaney is thankful that you're generous in your tithes. <laughs> right? She's amazing. Exactly. Uh, all the materials, all these things. But what happened is, is we were, as God began to give us great vision as a church, we began to say, wow, we have incredible opportunity to not just bless inside the walls of the church, but to bless outside the walls. And we have an opportunity to be generous beyond the minimum standard. I love that Jesus teaches all in scripture. Listen, I know you were told here's the minimum, like don't cheat on your wife. And he says, but by the spirit do more, right? And don't even look at a woman lustfully, right? He's saying, I know there's a minimum. There's like a line in the sand, but listen, there's so much more than a minimum. And so a bunch of people at Banner got together and said, listen, we want to go beyond because we want to see the kingdom expanded beyond and stretched further. And they began to unlock radical and extravagant generosity above and beyond. Not, they're not either or people. They were kingdom builders. What they began to say as a church two years ago, we began to say, listen, we're believing for even more. And so we're going to give generously. And my family and myself said, listen, we're going to give, we're going to go above and beyond. And so that's where this came from. And so for us, we, we, we do it in three parts. We do global missions, local outreach, and future church expansion. So global missions, we've supported over 20 missionaries around the world. Did you know that? This church right here, 20. You can clap, that's okay, yeah. But if we clap for anything, it shouldn't be me. It should be the gospel being spread, right? That's why we're here. Uh, we, we have a sister church in Thailand that actually just launched another campus, another church out of it. So churches launching churches, and we heavily support, we meaning us, we heavily support this church out of Kingdom Builders, Chi Alpha. I know there's a lot of thoughts about college students right now and universities and what they're like, but Chi Alpha is a bunch of people who said, listen, we love college students so much. We'll go to campuses and begin to speak the word of Jesus and invite them into our homes, invite them into, into places where they can ask those hard questions and feel loved by Jesus Christ. Local outreach. We did uh, Love the Block. We paused it for six months, and we've just now been relaunching it. But in Love the Block, we, we were averaging about 250 families a week that we're getting ministered to. Uh, local outreach is also our toy outreach. How many of you guys love that video? So good. Right, our toy outreach, where we give away hundreds and hundreds of toys. Whatever's left, we send to the Dream Center, and then we also send up to the reservation as well. So we end up giving away about 1,500 toys over all uh, at Christmas. We give away about 250 backpacks, supplies, and then we support teachers in different classrooms. Some of you guys have, have been um, uh, recipients of that. And we uh, do that through our back to school bash, all local outreach. Local outreach is teacher appreciation. Local outreach is supporting a lot of these schools that are Title I schools that desperately need assistance in different ways. When you give to Kingdom Builders, all of that goes to support those efforts. And then future church expansion. This is one people ask questions about. Well, it, so future church expansion is a couple things. It's expanding in the next generation of leaders, and it's expanding the possibility of where the church is going. So for us, we sponsored kids to go to youth camp this year. And so we had uh, nine kids go to youth camp, and six of them gave their life to Jesus Christ. 
So these aren't kids from our church. These are kids from the community, right? Because it's going out. The kids from the community who didn't know Jesus Christ who came in and encountered the love of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Right? The, the future church expansion is how we're able to go portable. Future church expansion, get this, if you gave to Kingdom Builders, you were the reason we could secure a new building. And we could pay an architect. And we could get permits, right? You are the reason for that. And so what I love about Kingdom Builders and the reason we take a pause to talk about it is that not only here but around the world, thousands of lives have been changed because of kingdom-minded people. Not an either-or people, but people who got a hold of a thinking process, or maybe I would say a heart posture. See, kingdom is more than a word. It's a thinking. It's a way of life. It's redefining greatness in our life. See, to be kingdom-minded is to change everything about the way we see our life and the world around us. It's really an unlocking of purpose honestly more than most people could really ever imagine because all of a sudden when we become kingdom minded we start seeing everything that's ours as God's and as we give it to him he multiplies it more than we could ever expect or ask or imagine to really be kingdom minded redefines what it means to have in my opinion a great life if you want to define what greatness is, we need to understand what it means to be kingdom-minded. Let's talk about that today. If you brought your Bible, would you do me a favor? Would you jump to Matthew chapter 18? If you're new to the Bible, maybe you just got one of those Bibles we gave you. It's the first book in the New Testament, Matthew. So you go a little past the middle, you're going to find it. If you're not sure, the words will be on the screen or bump your neighbor and say, help a brother out. Find me Matthew. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is with his disciples, and his disciples, they come and they ask him a very interesting question. They ask him actually this question a couple times, and we're going to talk every few weeks about how he responds. But Jesus is asked a question in Matthew 18. You ready? Are we ready? Say amen. Amen. Awesome. Matthew chapter 18, it says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Here's his response, ready? And calling to him a child, he, Jesus, put him in the midst of them, put the child in the midst of them, and said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So a real tapestry of emotions that we're experiencing here, right? There's a lot of things he just said in varying spectrums of encouragement in about three verses. He went from, you might not make it in, here's how you're great, you could die, right? There's a whole lot of things that are happening. So I want to look at this. The disciples ask, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God, right? Or yours might say the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is truly the kingdom of the Lord, the kingdom of Yahweh. Who is the greatest? So the question is, what is the kingdom of God? Right? To know how you're the greatest, you got to know what it is. Is it a place, you might say? Uh, is it a, like a location? What, what exactly is the kingdom of God? The answer is yes and no. It is, it is a place, and it isn't a place in a sense. In Luke 10, Jesus preaches. He says, the kingdom of God has come near you. So if it's a place solely, then that would be problematic because at the time, no, uh, no physical kind of kingdom had, had come, but the physical kingdom had come through Jesus Christ being present on the earth. And when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, pray like this, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. So there's an invitation of the kingdom to come as well. And so here, here's the interesting thing about the kingdom of God. We have a future and a present involvement in the kingdom. It's, it's multifaceted. So we have a future promise and desire for the kingdom to come, and, but we also have a present involvement in the coming of the kingdom, meaning 
the kingdom of heaven is, is divided, defined in a couple ways. It's the reign or rule of God, but it's also the blessing of experiencing the reign and rule of God. So the kingdom of God is the reign, it's the authority, it's the divine blessing of his kingdom, of his rule, of who he is and what he does, and it's a kingdom that is coming back someday. Are you still with me? So it's multifaceted. It's not just something we're waiting for. You know, if you've been following the news and you're really into end times prophecy, you're like, the king, he's coming back, right? Yes, he is, and yes, that's part of it, but also right now, we participate in the kingdom of God because his nearness is through Christ and his authority is with us. Are you still with me? Okay. If I lost you, let me just say this. This is all you need to remember from this part. Ready? The kingdom of God is God's nearness to you and his authority and his power. So when you're in his kingdom, you're under his authority and power. So the disciples are thinking, hey, when we get to your kingdom, you keep talking about this kingdom, you keep explaining this kingdom. When we get to the kingdom, who is going to be uh, the greatest? Like, who is going to be captain of this team? Who is going to be the number one guy? Because to the disciples, as to most human beings, greatness is rule, it's power, and it's authority, right? Isn't that how the world sees greatness? Right, great greatness is somehow you you have something that others don't. Maybe in the hierarchy you have achieved something that others have not achieved, or you have a position that others don't. That's greatness in the world, right? Greatness throughout history has been you have money others don't, or you have position others don't, or authority others don't, or you have time others don't. Right now I feel like it's influence, right? Right? We define greatness as influence. Who who's the influencers? Who has the most following? which I think is a wild way to define greatness is like who are, who has the most people watching them because usually the things that get the most eyes are like train wrecks, traffic accidents, right? Right? It's usually not like the Mother Teresa-esque work that gets the eyes. But we define greatness as a lot of things. We define it as influence, right? When you see someone on Instagram and they have a million followers, you think, wow, they're very influential, right? Okay, that's what I think. Like they have a lot of influence. I don't know how many of those are Russian bots. I don't know. <laughs> but, but I'm like, wow, they have a lot of influence. So the disciples ask, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus being Jesus uh, gives them an interesting answer. How many of you have ever read scripture and thought, will this dude ever give a straight answer to these guys? Or does he just like messing with them? Right? Well, he's trying to get them to think, right? He's trying to get them to understand. So they say, who's going to be the greatest? And here's what he says, Matthew 18, 2. Let's pull it up. He says, and calling to him a child. So they said, who's going to be the greatest? Here's his response. Calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them. That's a confusing response. And he says in verse 3, truly I say to you, when Jesus says this, truly I say to you, truly I, oh, oh, psych. <laughs> truly I say to you that's a good sign that we should pay attention when he says truly truly or truly I say to you or he says something twice he's saying pay attention he says unless you turn and become like children you will never enter the kingdom of heaven did you follow that conversation Jesus who's going to be the greatest he says, here, come here, kid. Brings a kid in. He says, unless you turn and become like this kid, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Strong, right? He says, unless you turn and in your turning become as children, you won't even enter the kingdom. Let me explain because that feels strong. They're like, who's going to be great? And he's like, are you even in? They're like, what? <laughs> to enter the kingdom requires a change of thinking. To enter the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven requires a change of thinking. See, not only to be great in the kingdom, but simply to enter into the kingdom. That's what Jesus says. Look at what he says. He says, unless you turn, the word there is unless you change your thinking. Did you know that it's the same root as the word repent? 
unless you change your thinking and your actions. Basically this. He says, basically, unless I was going one way, I changed my thinking and I turned one another way. I was going towards sin and death. I repent or I turn. I confess my sins and I go the other way towards God. Are you with me? This is a turning. He's saying, unless you change the way you're thinking about the life around you and become like this child, you won't enter the kingdom of God. That's a scary thought, but it's an important clarification from Jesus, right? He says, if you want to enter into the kingdom, you must change your thinking and begin to think as this child does, which is a crazy thought. Right In antiquity, uh, I studied philosophy, and philosophers loved to bring out like a model example of what they were talking about. So they're talking about statehood, and they would trot out some kind of statesman to show, or they're talking about a philosopher king, and they would bring somebody out. They bring a soldier out and a warrior, and they would say, look, this is who you should be like. You should be like this warrior. You should be like this mighty man. And Jesus, the great teacher, brings out a kid. Says, this is my example to you. Now, in a Western context, we love our kids a lot. Like, so much time with kids. Everything's about kids, right? I think it's great. Like, millennial parents spend more time with their kids than the generations before them. Like, I love my children. How we view kids in the West is way different than how they viewed kids back then. So if you're like, well, yeah, of course, kids are a great example. I love little Timmy. He's perfect. He can't do anything wrong. It's like, well, that's not what our kids' workers say, right? <laughs> At least about my children. Your children are perfect. Mine are a mess. But we love, you know, we, they're a huge part of our lives. In, in this Roman era Palestine, children did not have rights privileges, powers, status of any kind. In fact, there's many writers of this time who would write disparagingly, I know it sounds crazy, but roll with me, disparagingly about children that they wish they had more servants because they valued servants more than children. So I, I say that not to say that, yay, children were in a low social status and completely dependent on adults. <laughs> But to say that is the example Jesus is bringing forward, right? Jesus is bringing forward a member of society that no people would have been shooing away into the corner and been like, you need to be quiet and leave the adults alone, right? They would have had low social status. They would have been completely dependent on their fathers for any rights, for any position, for any power. Truly, children at that time were the lowliest of people. And so when Jesus says, you must turn and become like a child, you would have heard everyone go, <gasps> right? It would have been an audible gasp of like, what? <laughs> no, are you sure? Like, that guy looks real strong. We should pick him. And he picks a child. Now, he's not saying you should act like a child. Maybe some of you have misread that, and so you're like, oh, okay, i got to change what I'm doing. It's not saying have the emotional immaturity or the mental state of a child. He's saying to enter into the kingdom of God, we must be humble like children. Okay, this is going to mess with someone today. Here's what I want to do a little bit today in your spirit, is I want to break up the ground of some of the religion that has held you back from relationship. So I'm going to kick at your tradition a little bit here and your religion a little bit here and your attitude a little bit here and your posture a little bit here. Though I love like deep church history and understanding, but some of us, we've been a little stuck. So I'm just going to like break up the ground a little bit. I'm going to kick at things a little bit. Are you okay with that? Doesn't matter. You're here. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. I mean, you can leave, but I love you. Trust me. This is going to mess with you, but it's going to set you free. Here you go. To enter his kingdom requires complete surrender. Jesus loves unconditionally. Say unconditional love. Jesus loves unconditionally. Any person with sin can repent and follow Christ and the kingdom of heaven is open to everyone. You say, what about this person? Everyone. What about that person? Everyone. What about that nationality? Everyone. What about this background? Everyone. What about this struggle? Everyone. Are you with me? Everyone. Everyone. But we cannot enter the kingdom while holding on to our worldly thinking, our worldly identity, and our old dead life. 
We have been resurrected into new life in Christ and we, and we have our old dead self that was left behind in the grave. We cannot enter into the kingdom dragging that dead body behind us. The, the, the dead bodies don't come in to the kingdom of God. We have to leave that behind. We cannot retain hold to our previous status, to our previous power. This is going to mess with somebody. Our previous rights and our previous privileges. We can't say, yes, God, I'll come under the authority of your kingdom, be freed from sin and death, but I also want to retain the power of the kingdom of death. I want to retain the status and the rights I had and the fleshly desires of my previous life. Are you still with me? We're not pushing too hard? Okay. We have to fully and completely surrender and trust fully in God. Just as children are fully dependent, not only for their needs, but for their power, their position, their status, and their rights. See, the kingdom of God is life to the dying. It's hope to the hopeless, and it's freedom for those in bondage. But we have to come to the kingdom humbly, not perfect, not figuring it all out, but not beholden to the life that we were supposed to have died to and left behind. Not to the, the, the thought in our mind that says, I'm God and I decide. Are you with me? We have to leave that behind. Why? Because though it may look like it, and many of us have fallen into this, come on, we've all been here. We've all fallen into going back to this dead place. We th it might feel good momentarily, but there's no freedom there. There's no freedom in that place. There's only freedom right here in the kingdom of God in the life of God, in the joy of God, in the hope of God. I know this is what we've known. And so it's easy to go back here into these rights and privileges and places. But God says, listen, I've brought you into new life. And this is where the freedom is. This is where it is. And so when we say, Jesus, you gave your life to me. So I will give you all of my old life and be resurrected in you. Then we enter his kingdom and experience his divine blessings. And so Jesus sets the standard, not because he's saying, if you're not humble enough, I'll kick you out. But what he's saying is, listen, only those who say, Jesus, you are my Lord, will enter into my kingdom. You cannot drag sin into the kingdom with you. It has to be left behind. Which is a wild way to answer the question, who's greater? Do you remember that's how we started this? Who's greater? And he basically just said, if you're not humble, you're not getting in. What? But why does he say this? Because he's speaking to something greater than just what the disciples want. Just more than power, authority, and position. He's trying to set them free from a worldly understanding, and he's trying to lead them into a heavenly understanding and a kingdom-minded understanding. That's why he says, whoever humbles himself like this child. Look at this response. He finally gets there in verse 4. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, this is, Jesus is such a good teacher. Okay. If you followed verse three, you're gonna go, whoa, hold on a second, right? Did you follow verse three? Verse three, he said, listen, if you don't humble yourself as a child, you're not getting in to the kingdom. And verse four says, whoever humbles himself like the child is the greatest in the kingdom. Are you making this connection here? Jesus, didn't you just say to enter, you must be humble like a child? And he says, yes, I did. Okay, well then Jesus, doesn't that mean everyone in the kingdom has humbled themselves like a child because that's the prerequisite. Therefore, everyone in the kingdom surrendered their rights before God and trusted in him. And everyone in the kingdom had to come before the Lord and confess their sins and receive new life. And Jesus is like, yes, exactly. Well, that means something important. That means everyone in the kingdom of God is the greatest. Right? Because if the prerequisite is you have to humble yourself as a child to be in the kingdom, and he says everyone who humbles themselves is the greatest in the kingdom, what does that mean? Everyone in the kingdom is the is the greatest. Wait, let's try it. Everyone is the it's the greatest. That kind of blows this hierarchy we always feel at church apart. Come on, some of us, we believe there's a hierarchy. There's like a little group of people who are real spiritual, and we're on the out, right? is the spirituals. People say, you guys seem really close. I'm like, that's the staff. They're paid to be here. 
it's a really tight group. Like, yeah, they're paid. They better be there on time. <laughs> so they're here every week. That's why they're so, if you show up every week, I might hire you. I don't know. You never know what's going to happen. But this is so important. Someone, I, I told you, I just, I want to shake this up a little bit. That greatness in the kingdom comes through God's grace. Every single person in the kingdom of God, every single person in the body of Christ, every single person in the heaven with the Lord is there solely and completely because of God's grace. Are you with me? There is nothing that they did to earn their position. Look at Ephesians 2, 4. It's going to be on the screen. You don't have to flip there. I'm just cranking through because of time. It says, but God being rich in mercy, but God being rich in mercy because of what? Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. See, look at this. Our position in the kingdom of heaven is totally unrelated to our position here on earth. How do we know that? Well, he said it right here, and he lived it. Because the disciples with whom he built the church on, they were lowly men. So lowly that it, when they preached the gospel, uh, the, the, the legal authority of the Jews at the day said, who are these people? I thought they were uneducated. Which is like basically a clever way of saying, who taught these dummies how to read? <laughs> but Jesus built his church on them. See, the world says, here are the greatest, here are the least. If you look like this, you're the greatest. If you look like this, you're the least. If you have this relational status, you're the greatest, you're the least. If you have this many kids at this time and this much money or this much space or you have this divorce or you have this marriage or you have this opportunity or this job, you're the greatest, you're the least, right? Doesn't it say that constantly? And unfortunately, much of the church has adopted that thinking. Oh, you have a divorce? Ah. Oh, you have some struggles in your life? Ah. Oh, man, you've been through some things? Ah. Oh, man, you're a bit smelly? Ah. I... It doesn't say that in the Bible, guys. Be free. Someone, someone, you need to hear it. Your life did not play out the way that you maybe thought it was, so you think I'm the least. And I want to tell you, praise God that you are. Here's what's amazing. Christ says the least are greatest. Here's what's amazing. Jesus makes it a habit of the least becoming the greatest because the least are willing to be humble. People who are great in the world, they struggle at being humble because the world keeps patting them on the butt, telling them they're amazing. Wow, you're so beautiful and you're so wealthy. You're so amazing. And they're like, well, I'm also an addict and I go home and I'm lonely, but you don't see that. And so we begin to put people on different pedestals and levels. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus says, it'd be better that the world would make you an outcast like this child so that I could bring you into the middle. So that you would say, you know what? I am more than willing to humble myself before God because he's all I need. He's all I have. And he says, great, congratulations. You're the greatest in the kingdom. See, in the kingdom, the least are made great. Church, we need to change how we see ourselves. You need to stop disqualifying yourself. So many of you have disqualified yourself from the blessings of the kingdom of God. Not, not meaning like you've written them off, but meaning that you keep saying, I don't deserve it. God can never use me. God can never do something great through me. Why? Because the world says, and maybe it might have even been worldly people in the church, right? Listen, we believe that life begins at conception, and we do not believe that abortion is the way of God. But listen, if you have had an abortion, and you come into church, and you feel judged, and you feel attacked, listen, that is not what Jesus is saying to you. He's saying, give me your heart, all of the hurt, all of the pain. You are not disqualified from the greatness of God. He's saying, pour that pain and that suffering out to me. Pour your heart out to me. And he says, listen, if you humble yourselves, you'll be made great. If you're here and you're like, you know what? I've wrestled in my thinking. I've struggled in addiction. I've struggled in my past. Pastor, I made some decisions and I need to get enough backlog of good stuff to prove that I can be great in the kingdom. Hear me, no you don't. Have you said to Jesus, I give you everything? Say yes. 
Have you humbled yourself before him as a child? You say, yes. Then you're the greatest. Just tell yourself for a second, like, I know it sounds prideful, but like, I'm the greatest, right? <laughs> Some of you have never said a positive word to yourself in your life. You just need to hear Jesus say to you, have you humbled yourself? Yes, then you're the greatest in the kingdom. See, your greatness, my greatness is only through God's grace. I don't care if you're on the streets or in the Oval Office. If you come to the Lord and you humble yourself and you say, Jesus, I give you everything, you're the greatest. Presidents next to prostitutes right in the kingdom of heaven praising God. We see everyone from the country club to the strip club. Doesn't matter. You sit right next to each other at church and worship. You sit right next to each other in heaven and worship because your greatness is not defined. Your position is not defined. Your identity is not defined by the world. It is by Jesus Christ who says, listen, have you humbled yourself before me? Then you're great. Some of you, you, you come on, you're resisting in your spirit. I can sense it. You're saying, yeah, I know, but that's, that's just like pastor talk. You have to say it. No, I don't. We can preach other message series. I chose to say this because I believe that God is speaking to someone because he's trying to shake a church up that you got some things that you are limiting what God can do. You don't share the gospel because you're afraid people are going to ask about your past. You don't share the hope of Jesus Christ because you're afraid of what people are going to find out about the things you wrestle with. And he's saying, listen, Who's the greatest? Jesus says, have you humbled yourself? You say, yes. I, I, every day, every day, I wake up and I just say, God, I give you everything. Great, then that's it. You're the greatest. Heck yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. I'm like, okay. And then he says something really aggressive. <laughs> right? You're like, oh, I'm feeling good now. Like, yeah, all right, yeah. You know what? Like, people in high school, they were, they said da 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 about me. Past rumors around people. People in my work have done, you know, said da, da. people in my family. And but you know what? You know what? That's that junk is gone. Like, I've humbled myself before the Lord. In His mind, I'm the greatest. And then Jesus tosses this out, which is wild. He says in verse five, "Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me." And we could stop there, but I'm going to read verse six because I'm dramatic. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it will be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, that is a very aggressive statement. Jesus said that, right? If you're still like pro-wussy Jesus, you're so confused by that statement. If you're just like Instagram empathy counselor Jesus, you're like, what is that? Uh, but it's, he said it. It's in the Bible. He spoke it. He said, listen, if you deceive them, it's better that you would tie a millstone, so a giant stone for granted, and then be hurled in the depths of the sea. So just so you know, that's code for be killed. Because that's going to be better, he says, than what's going to happen in hell. Whoa, judgment. Strong, strong, right? Very strong. And I know in modern times, I see people use this. They say, this is about pedophiles. What's going to happen to pedophiles? I mean, probably that too. Probably worse than the millstone thing, hopefully. Uh, but this is specifically talking about something greater that's happening within the life and the body of the church. It's easy to write this off as this is for somebody else. It's scarier to put it on ourselves and own it. Here's what he says. Like he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Let's read it in the context. Who's one such child? Well, what is he talking about? He just said, if you humble yourself and you become like children, you come into the kingdom and experience the blessing of greatness of the kingdom of God, which is all of us, right? Amen? We're like, yes, I'm no longer defining myself by the world. I'm saying, God, you define who I am. And some of you, you're new in discovering that. Maybe it's the first day you've ever heard of that. So in many ways, you're innocent in your understanding of that. And so what he's talking about here is what I would deem believers who would be considered the least. So in a broader sense, he's talking about the least of these. When he's saying, when, when you receive one of these children, you're receiving me, he's saying, listen, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. You ready for my last point? Kingdom-minded people, are practitioners of grace. Let me tell you something. The quality of true disciples of Jesus has always been the care for fellow believers and the care for the least of these. 
true believers, you cannot say that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, you can say whatever you want. You cannot be right about being a believer in Christ if you do not care for fellow believers in the least of these, according to Jesus. Care for those who in a worldly sense are the least, especially fellow believers, is crucial to following Christ. That's why in John 13, he says, a commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I've loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. This is, again, I said it's easy to put it on someone else. It's easy for me, right, to put it on someone else. But, well, that's about harming children because I don't hurt children because I'm not crazy. It's harder to put it on myself and say, what is he actually saying? And here's what I believe that Jesus Christ is speaking here. He's saying, listen, there's a responsibility here that we have to care for those who are hurting and who are broken. There is a responsibility that we have. This should strike terror into our heart anytime we want to tear at a fellow believer in our church. When you want to gossip about another believer, just picture the millstone. This would just set down like old churches that are, we don't have this here because you guys are all beautiful and you're amazing and you get along. But, you know, older churches maybe, I don't know, something, right? Not this church, of course. Uh, <laughs> but where there's gossip, uh, gossipers, you need to hear this. That anything that hurts or leads astray, young believers and the, or new believers and the innocent, Jesus said, you should, you might as well just die. Strong. It's easy to put, okay, right? I know, that hurts. Are you still with me? Like, this is not an encouraging message, Pastor Josh. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm teaching the Bible. I didn't write it. But here's what I say. I don't apologize for the word of God because it's good. It's going to set you free. Here's why. Because as believers, all we have is Christ. All, all, all that we have, our salvation, our purpose, our power, authority, it's all from Christ. And he says, uh, when, when you receive others, when you receive believers, new believers, when you receive the least of these, you receive me. So that means every other believer is just like me, right? Every other person in this room, the person to your left and right, they've all received, if they're a believer, the portion from God. We're all great in the kingdom of God because of grace. So the question is, why would I not pour out on those whatever I have, not only to my, to my fellow believers, but to those who are the least of these who have not discovered the grace of God, right? I have a responsibility in a sense to change the way I'm thinking. See, worldly-minded people say, I need to be great. They say, all my wealth, all my resources, all my privileges, all my abilities should be leveraged for me. Kingdom-minded or worldly-minded people say the goal in my life is to build myself up. But Jesus says, listen, we have a responsibility to receive and not push away the least of these. Did you catch that? There was a responsibility as believers not only to receive it for ourselves, but to also desire to pour it out on others. In a positive way, let me say this because verse 6 is really heavy. Let me flip it and I'll say it in a positive. Kingdom-minded people say greatness is defined by God's grace. That means the person on the street corner and the person in government, if they come into a relationship with Christ, have the same greatness. And so when I see someone come into the grace of God, no matter what they look like, no matter what they act like, no matter what they smell like, it is my responsibility to embrace them and to love them and to pour out whatever I have upon them. Are you with me? It's my responsibility. But it's not just my responsibility, it's my, it's my blessing. Because when I begin to look at my wealth, my resources, my privileges, my abilities as opportunities for more people to experience the greatness of the kingdom of God, I'm expanding and I'm giving into the very thing that's giving me life. It changes the way that I see the world around me. You could look at it in that scripture and say like, well, if I don't care that I'm going to be drowned in the ocean. That's kind of a scary way to look at it. A better way to look at it is to say, listen, God has loved me so much that I'm sitting here and I'm going, wait a second. Wait a second. I had this experience and the world says I'm less because of it. I look like this. The world says I'm less. Maybe I have a disability and I've been looked down on. Maybe I have a background and, and people have treated me a certain way. Maybe, you know, I, I, maybe no one even knows, but I think if they knew, then they would feel like I'm a different way. So certainly I must be lesser in the kingdom. But you've begun to turn your thinking by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now you're saying, listen, God, I've given you everything. I'm humble. I'm humble before you. You're my God. And he's saying, great. You're the greatest in the kingdom of God. And you're saying, wow, oh my gosh. Like, I, how is that even possible that I'm the greatest in the kingdom of of God like I'm still wrestling with that right like right like you're hearing me but you're still rolling you're like that are you sure yeah like extra sure 
extra sure for you, dude. Like, extra sure that that's true because it's in the word of God. And so in that posture, we go, man, who else needs to know this? And how do I get them to know this? And someone says to you, yeah, but they smell kind of bad. You're like, dude, it might not be on the outside, but I smell bad inside. <laughs> There's some things that God has dealt with in my life. Who cares? Who cares? Right? Because it didn't limit me. It doesn't have to limit you. So that means whatever I have, I'm going to pour out. So that people, if it's time, if it's money, if it's privileges, I have privileges in this country. I'm, I'm blessed. And it's like, should I just store them up in a storehouse and burying them in the ground for my family? Or should I leave a legacy of radical generosity? I think God is going to have an opinion about what I did with the opportunities I have in this country. Like, who I am, what I look like, where I came from, middle class, and in this country. I have a lot of opportunity. It'd be dumb of me to not use that to spread the gospel, especially since the gospel is the only reason that I'm in the kingdom. I want to encourage you not only to rethink the way you see yourself, but to rethink the way you see others, to begin to rethink the way you see your money not as something to build your kingdom, but to say, God, I've received grace. I've been brought in. God, what can I give? To rethink the way you see time. Not just to say, God, this is mine. I got to hold on to it. But man, God, you came and you intersected my life. God, who can I make time for so that they discover your love? Man, you guys can come up. To maybe rethink our relationships. Maybe everyone's not there for you. Maybe you're there for somebody else to rethink the people you see who look like outsiders and to think and realize, wow, I was an outsider of the kingdom, but God brought me in. To maybe rethink identity where you think all the time, you're just always thinking about what people think about you. Okay, this is the very last thing I'm gonna say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for somebody here today. You always think people are thinking about you. No one is thinking these things about you. Everyone's thinking this thing about me. Everyone's talking about me. Nope. You know how I know? Because you'd know. Because people don't keep their mouth shut. <laughs> so you'd know. But more importantly, it says something about our identity that we're insecure in that. But can I encourage you? Rather than worrying what people think about you, worry about the people no one thinks about. The outsider people Jesus loves. See, it's a change in our thinking. My prayer is, God, renew my thinking and make me kingdom-minded. God, that I would humble myself before you, that anything I've held on to, all my rights I would give to you, Lord. And I've been praying, God, give me a clear picture of greatness in your kingdom. God, remind me of the great love that brought me into new life and lead me to see others, whether it's new believers who, who need me to come alongside them. Some of you have been believers for 10 years, have never sat down and read the Bible with somebody. Lead me in new, with new believers. Lead me to those outside the doors. Lead me to the least of these. Lead me to love them well. Lead me to invite them into my home, to invite them to sit around a lunch table. Lead me, God, to love them well, to unlock generosity in my life, that I would begin to not hoard my time and my resources and my money and my effort and leave the world worldly great. Wow, they were so wealthy. Wow, they went on so many vacations while all of their neighbors went to hell. But lead me to love the person right next door who keeps cutting down my hedge and I want to throw hands with them, <laughs> right? Who for some reason decides 5 a.m. is a great time to play music. But what do they got going on in their life? Maybe their wife left them and they're lonely. And 5 a.m. is when she would wake up and go to work and you won't know until you go next door and say, how are you doing? You want to come have dinner with me? God, change our thinking. Make us kingdom-minded people. God, not only that we would see our greatness in the kingdom of God as defined by you, but the greatness of others. Did you know your purpose right now? This is so cool. When you become kingdom-minded and your life lives to bring people into the kingdom, you are revealing their greatness to them. You're unlocking greatness. You're unlocking greatness. You could wake up tomorrow and say, what am I doing today? I'm helping people discover greatness because I'm kingdom-minded. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you right now. <laughs> Would you just close your eyes? 
Church, we're going to be talking about projects for Kingdom Builders. We're going to be talking about outreaches and all kinds of cool stuff. But right now, what matters is our hearts and our minds. So I want to pray two things over you this morning. The first is over you. Because some of you came in with baggage that God wants to free you from this morning. You came in with, with some things that have been limiting you. You have, you have some mistakes. Some of you literally have some cases on the list that you use to define what's possible in greatness. I just, you need to hear the love of the Father. Can you hear that this morning? I just, I want you to hear the love of the Father, the love of Jesus Christ that says, if you humble yourself before me, if you give me your heart, I'll give you kingdom greatness. And you may, on the world, in a worldly eyes, never achieve this fleeting sense of greatness that so many face. But he says, in the kingdom, you'll be made great. In my kingdom, you know that's the kingdom that matters. He says, you'll be made great. If you're here and just this morning, you need God to rewrite your identity and upon your heart to take away the ways you've been limiting. And you're just here to say, Jesus, I humble myself before you. Just reveal the depths and riches of your love for me that I would begin to see myself differently. Would you just kind of lift your hands? I want to pray for you this morning. Just with all compassion and love in my heart. You, I did this this week. It's like, God, would you rewrite the things that I've held on to? There's some things I got to let go of because I've been using it to deny what I believe that you really want to do. I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now, reveal the depths and riches of your love by the power of the Holy Spirit right now in this place. Freedom upon every life and every heart. That the words or the things that have been spoken, the things in, in your past that have begun to define you and limit you would be removed and you would begin to see yourself as Jesus Christ sees you. Lord, see us here this morning. We say we humble ourselves before you. We repent of all unrighteousness. If you have things you need to lay down, now is the time. We repent of all unrighteousness and we turn to you and we say, God, we give you our life. And the Lord says, I receive it. And I say, you're great in the kingdom of heaven. You're great in the kingdom of God, not because of your past, not because of your status. He says, because of my great love for you. So I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would receive the revelation of God's great love for you, that every lie would be defeated and every truth would be in installed in the name of Jesus over your life the second thing this morning we're just going to roll right on with it is this God make me kingdom minded God help me to pour out the grace that I've received if that's you here you're like God make me kingdom minded would you lift your hands God I pray right now stir up kingdom mindedness God that we would not hoard what you've given us but we would pour it out we would pour out our energy and our love God we wouldn't just say this is my home this is my place but we would say God this is your place to bring people into who are hurting and are broken and need a friend God that we wouldn't say this is my church but God we would say this is your church to bring people in who are hurting and broken and need to hear the hope of Jesus. We wouldn't say, this is my money, God, but we would say, God, this is your wealth to take and to multiply and to do what you want to do, to see lives transform. We pray, God, make us kingdom-minded in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, make us kingdom-minded. Right now, wherever you are, this is your prayer. It doesn't need to be big, but it needs to be true. God, make me kingdom-minded. I'm going to give you a second just to pray that. Have a moment with him. God, make me kingdom-minded. God, make me kingdom-minded. Holy Spirit, some of you, he's convicting your heart right now. It's okay. Allow that stretching to occur. It's okay. This is a safe space for that. It's a safe space to have God stretch, to maybe feel a little uncomfortable and a little pressed. It's okay. This is the space to have that happen because the people next to you are rooting for you this morning. The Holy Spirit is here with you this morning. Make me kingdom minded. Someone, he just brought up a limitation in your mind. I just pray it broken in the name of Jesus. Someone, he just brought up a people group right now in your mind. There's a people group right now. You're like, oh my gosh. Lord, I don't, and he's saying, I'm breaking that right now in the name of Jesus. Not that you are affirming the brokenness, but that there is a love to bridge into the gospel that needs to occur. And there's a willingness that he longs for. God, make me kingdom-minded this morning. Make me kingdom-minded this morning. 
of you are thankful for the Lord? You thankful for the Lord? I prepared this, this response, but it's, it's 11.40, and so I try to be somewhat respectful of your kids and the, what the rest of the day is going to look like. But I've really felt this, and uh, this, is so, this is so unique as a church. And oftentimes, we come to church, we're like, let's just do a good job and like not mess up so everyone's happy. And uh, man, that's cool. <laughs> we want to do a good job. We want to do good. Uh, we want to like get it, you know, make it all on time and do all the things. Um, but I've really felt like God has been speaking healing to this church. And, I, and, and I, I've been calling for response and healing in like a very manageable way. Here's what I mean. Like if you're not healed, then like we'll be like, oh, the Lord's still working. But I've really felt like God has been saying that he wants to pour out healing in this church and that there's a faith catalyst here to begin in this moment to pray and believe for healing and, and to see physical transformation and healing. And so I want to end this service totally and completely unrelated to the thing that I just preached. Uh, I'm so, I love you. Thank you for loving me. That's why we did pastor appreciation first, right? But I just want to end with this. Um, we have a team that has been praying for you. Even yesterday we were at the park praying. And I really believe that in faith that there's healing. Now, I believe that there's good health, advocating for good health. I mean, the person who leads our prayer ministry is a therapist. We believe in like the work of good health. But we also believe that God heals in a moment. And so I want to end this way. Our team's going to lead us in worship. We're singing uh, some song. Champion. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> but we're going to pray for healing. So here's what I'm going to say. If you are praying and believing for God to do a healing work in your life or you want to stand in the gap for somebody, you can call them when you're done. We're going to pray for you right now. I know, I just sprung that on you. You received it really well. But if you're here and saying, I need God to do a healing work in my life, would you right now in boldness and out of love, not because you want to, not because you're comfortable with it, I know and I love you and I thank you for doing this because it's a step of faith. I know it might not be your normal, but just hear that we love you. If you're praying and believing for God to do a healing, you need a miracle, a miraculous health healing. You've almost written it off. You're like, I let the other people go because this is just something I live with. Would you just come forward right now? We're gonna pray for you. You're saying, I need God to do a healing work right now. You say, I need God to do a healing work right now. Just come forward and stand right here. My wife's up here. Is this your foot? Oh, for John. Yeah, my brother-in-law, I preached a message on being patient on God. And my brother-in-law, we had a barbecue right after. I know I'm taking time. I'm sorry. Thank you for being gracious. My brother-in-law says, I have muscular dystrophy. If God does not heal me, I'll die, and there'll be no one to raise my children. How patient should I be? And I said, well, we should just pray right now. And we prayed. Can I just tell you that we'll stand in the gap and believe in faith if you're still there. And I believe God's going to heal. And I believe God's going to heal him. And I'll believe it till we both go to the very day but I believe God's going to heal. So here's the first question if you came down here. If you're down here praying for healing, raise your hand so our prayer team and staff can come around you. Just lift your I'm here praying for healing. Okay, come around. Staff, you can just lay your hands on them. Let me go. I'm going to assign some people. I'm going to assign. Can you go pray for people? Thank you, Sydney. Yeah. Let's see. Let me pick some other people up. Oh, Sydney's going to get prayed for. Allie's actually going to pray for you, Sydney. I changed my mind. Perfect. Good. Awesome. Okay, here's what we're going to do. And if you're here, if you need to bounce, you can bounce. Uh, but we're going to pray for them together. We're going to believe for healing uh, this morning. So if you're here, there's two things I want you to do. First, we're going to pray for faith. We're going to pray for faith. Because that's the hardest part. It's like, okay, I believe you can do it. I believe that you can heal my father. Like that's right. You come again, it's like, you feel that. You're like, maybe he can. But we're going to pray for faith. And God's going to give faith this morning. And then we're going to pray for healing. We might not have a single person for every person, so we're going to work around. I'm going to ask you in just a second, raise your hand. We're going to pray. People who are praying, here's what you're going to do. You're going to pray, and then you're going to ask. And you're, you're, my prayer people, you're going to have faith to ask. Okay? My prayer people, you're going to have faith to ask. You're going to have faith to ask. 
not to, to ask, okay? And then you can pray again, and that's okay. We won't keep you here for an hour. We won't keep hammering on it. We might release you just to be praying yourself, whatever it is. But we're just going to believe together, okay? Let's pray. Let's pray together this morning. God, we declare an authority, a building of faith right now. We pray a building of faith right now in the name of Jesus Christ. A building of faith right now to say we believe. In fact, if there's unbelief, like the man who said, help me in my unbelief, we as a church gather together, we pray, build the faith this morning. Build the faith in believing you're a God of miracles. Build the faith believing that you move and heal. God, give us the mentality and the understanding and the faith of your church that laid hands and saw healing in the name of Jesus. And God, I pray right now a releasing of miracles upon this place that we wouldn't just sing songs about it and not believe it, but we command an authority of the Most High, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Okay, prayer people, right now begin to ask them what it is specifically. I want you to ask them, what is it that you need healing for? And begin to pray for that specifically. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.